We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everyone. Before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know how to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you could get all this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into this program is limited. So get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast coming at you on a Friday. Uh, We are nearing ever so close to March, which means we're not that far away from draft season. Yes, we're nearing the halfway point of the NBA season. Um, I'm starting to get questions about some of these guys, so I figured why not bring on someone who is much smarter about uh, the draft than I am. And I was very, 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 very lucky to um, get someone that you know on Twitter if you have ever looked up anything in regards to the draft. Uh, Jake Rosen, he is the author of Jake in the Paint. He also has a podcast, which is excellent, 
um, and you should go and subscribe to, in addition to this podcast, uh, Prep to Pro Pod, um, where they talk about a lot of Jeff stuff. He came on. Uh, we actually just finished the conversation. We talked about a whole mess of prospects that people have been asking me about, and you're going to learn a lot by listening to this. So uh, stick around for that. Also, a uh, quick reminder that uh, this is coming at you, um, obviously, the day after the Knicks played the Kings. Um, but as I record this right now, the Knicks have not played the Kings yet because uh, that game tips off in about 45 minutes. If you'd like to hear reaction and analysis and me answering some questions about that game, um, just check your feed because uh, it's going to be up there in the form of the uh, audio version of the live stream that I do after the game. And of course, you could also hear that on our or see that on our YouTube channel, um, Nick's Film School uh, YouTube. I think that's it. I um, hope you enjoy the conversation. If you do, feel free, drop a review, uh, five-star rating, whatever it is that you want to do. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your family, tell, tell everybody. Nick's Film School, we, we, we love the love. We really do. And we appreciate it. And we love you. Um, and without further ado, here's my conversation with Jake Rosen. Joining me now on the next film school podcast. Um, it is officially draft season. I have deemed it. So you don't get to ask questions because we're getting close. Uh, might not feel like it, but we are. Um, and college guys have played a lot of games. It's, it's about time to dive into this. So Spencer Perlman used to be the draft guy. Um, he has moved on to greener pastures, but I went to him and I was like, who is the best person that you could recommend to fill your shoes for this draft season? And he only had one name. Uh, he's the author of the blog, Jake in the Paint. He's the host of Prep to Pro Pod. Um, and um, most importantly, he has, as we were talking about a moment ago, uh, a picture of Christopher Nolan's best movie in his Twitter header, Jake Rosen. Jake, uh, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great, John. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. As I was telling you off the air, I am a diehard Knicks fan. So this podcast has been in my rotation for the past couple of years. So it's going to be a fun one. It's actually come on Nick's film school and talk draft. Obviously I have some pretty big shoes to fill with the man, the myth, the legend, Spencer, Spencer Perlman. Uh, it's all myth, <laughs> but yes, um, the prestige, one of my favorite movies. It's also my bio, um, my bio. I have the tagline. Are you watching closely? Um, I think that's one of my favorite lines that I kind of also apply to draft scouting. Uh, are you watching closely? And you know, the whole notion that you, you don't really want to watch closely because you want to be deceived, but it's all right in front of you in the film. So a little, a little nugget. I, I take the prestige very, very deeply. Well, we, we started talking about this a minute ago when you were talking about how you started really diving into tape during quarantine and watching mm -hmm. like three games a day, which man, um, I was never a, a draft person that I started, but I was like watching a game like every couple of days. Um, and there's not always great basketball um, being played at the college <laughs> level. So I, um, you were starting to say, but can you just maybe like, what was that like for you to, to really get into the draft stuff during, during the quarantine process? I mean, just like everyone else, like there was kind of nothing to do. So, um, you know, I'm kind of learning about opportunity cost in uh, microeconomics 101. And my opportunity cost of watching one basketball game during quarantine was nothing. I was giving up nothing. There was <laughs> nothing else to do. Um, so I kind of, I've always loved basketball. And I, I don't want to make it seem like I was like not in the game. Like I was definitely writing articles, watching games, but you know, it was kind of balanced 
between me playing high school basketball, me being a high school basketball or high school student, you know, being an 18 year old socially. And then when everything else kind of stopped, I had the film to fall back on. So I kind of like, that's when I really upped the ante on that. You know, I think my articles have probably expanded tenfold since before quarantine to now. Um, I seem to have forgot what the word concise means, but it's okay. Um, all <laughs> that good stuff. Thing. No, not a bad thing. Um, I just hope my readers have some patience for it. But yeah, um, ever since quarantine, this has kind of just been like the nonstop thing that I have always been thinking about watching, whatever. Um, obviously, you know, it was a big adjustment going to college and, you know, like going to the Midwest, uh, living in a dorm, working that out, uh, talking about social life, college social life, very different from high school social life. You make, um, now you're making me reminisce. Is, <laughs> so you got to stop. Um, the, the times, whether it's waking up early or squeezing a game in, in between classes, uh, I make it work, but it, it's definitely something I love to do. So there, there's no complaints. Well, you, um, I've been following your, your stuff because full disclosure, Spencer mentioned you to me for a, a while back when we, when, before we started even talking about the last draft class um, and you think the game at a really high level. So um, I want to get right into it because so correct me um, when I say something wrong, here's my perception right now about this draft. Um, there, there is a, a clear top five who we, I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit. And then there is kind of a next tier, which I'm, I, I texted. So uh, you may have probably saw Was had his, uh, mm-hmm. I think big board maybe a week ago. Yeah. And I, I forget. I, I texted Spencer. I'm like, he has the top five and then he has this next five. And then like a bunch of guys, it feels like there's a second tier starting to emerge is, would you agree with that? And he's like, yeah, I, I probably would. And then there's like this morass of guys who seem intriguing, seem, you know, tantalizing. Like, I don't know what the words are. Is that how you're seeing this draft right now? Or do you see it a different way? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the two tiers is definitely for me. Uh, we're definitely going to get into that consensus top five. I'm not there yet personally. Um, oh, really? Mine's, mine's more of a top four. Um, I'm okay with Kaminga. I'm not there with green just yet. Um, Interesting. So that's definitely something we'll talk about, but yeah, I, I have, um, but I've been, I've been talking to people and I've, I'm pulling up my board right now because it changes so much. So do you change your board? Like on like a, what a weekly basis or probably like a weekly. Yeah. Like a weekly, every two. That doesn't sound healthy, but okay. (laughs) It's your life. It's fine. Honestly, this year I've taken a step back from, you know, the whole board thing. Uh, Once you realize that looking back in hindsight, no one's going to be like, you had him 12th. I had him ninth. Like that's not really how this thing works. Um, So big boards can definitely be unhealthy. I'm trying to like take a step back from it, but Definitely, it's a good exercise. So right now, I would go Cade, Mobley, Selgs, Kaminga as like a, four, a group of four that I'm relatively confident in that order at the moment. Okay. Um, and then the next group, we have Moses Moody, Sharif Cooper, the Tennessee guys, Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson, Jalen Green, and Franz Wagner. And those are my, I think that gets me to 10. So that's like kind of my second tier right now. And then you have someone like Zaire Williams, who's kind of like, split in between the next group of guys and like the five through 10 guys. Um, he's a little bit complicated. And then rounding out the lottery, guys like Kispert, Book Knight, um, and Jalen Johnson at the moment. But yeah, that, that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Okay. Um, yeah. You, you said a lot of, a lot of names who I want to get into a little bit more. Uh, I happened to notice, um, it was funny. I saw it uh, floating around Twitter earlier today. The, uh, 
the fifteen dollar uh, thing, and I'm like, yes. "Ooh, I want to ask Jake about this." And then I saw you, of course, gave your answer, um, where somebody was like, "You have fifteen dollars, and you can make a five man lineup." And Cade, Cade Cunningham is six dollars, <laughs> and Evan Mobley is five, and then the other guys are five and four. And you, you didn't hesitate. You, you're like, "Give me Cade and Evan Mobley." Yeah. Wait, sorry, what were you gonna say? Oh, I was just gonna say from a team building thing. Like when I first saw, it, I was give me those two guys, and I'll make okay. the rest work. Does does um is is Cade like in because I you know I, I remember I gosh I've been talking to Spencer for way too long I remember when we talked about the Zion draft he was like yeah there's there's Zion and then there's like a huge chasm and then there's whoever else you want to put it, it is it's not as big with Cade and everybody else right or or is it big for you it's not as big and that's only because Evan Mobley exists um okay interesting I I think these two I, I tweeted about it the other day like. To me, they're not just one and two. Like these are two genuine special prospects that, like I think, we're looking at coming into the game at the same time. Uh, kind of both kind of fit where, exactly where the NBA is going. You know, Cade is clearly you know that big wing mold that everyone's looking for, who can run pick and rolls, can get his own off the bounce, live dribbles with both hands. The shot is beyond anything I could have ever imagined when he was in high school. Right now, um, there, he basically doesn't really have a flaw. Honestly, um, there's no flaw with the shooting at the level it is right now. The only flaw is his assist to turnover ratio because his teammates don't make open shots. Um, yes, that much it, I know. They're, it's they're really, not a great team, right? No, I mean, and they're the on off splits with him. Like, that's a thing that people are trying to like make a thing. I don't really think it's a thing um, that they're not significantly worse and in some areas better with him off the floor. Um, I think it's just, you know, college basketball and like things happen. Um, I don't really want to draw too much from it, but Kate is incredible um not only just a great prospect ton of fun to watch like i know a lot of nba guys don't really want to watch college basketball and i don't blame you uh but Cade is a ton of fun to watch and evan mobley is the same uh evan mobley is kind of this mobile big who moves like no one i've ever seen before Uh, a seven feet tall crazy wingspan gets off the ground in a split second um is already a very capable passer I think it's a very good bet that he's going to shoot. Uh, we're already, see, already seeing him space the floor. So, like mechanics take a while to like load up and actually follow through, but it, it's smooth and he even has taken some pull-ups. Uh, so he, I think those two are, are like the special guys. Okay. Um, I think there's probably a bigger gap between like, I would say, I think I personally think there's a bigger gap between Mobley and Suggs than there is Cade and Mobley. I was, that was, you stole my next question. Cause like I, I already am getting asked by people like, Oh, let's we'll package our pick with the Dallas pick and like, you know, something else. And we'll just move up to draft one of these guys. And like, I feels like if someone's has a chance to draft Cade or uh, Mobley, like, Nope, that's, that's not a, doesn't feel like that's pick your trade. Um, but maybe with one of these other guys with Suggs or, you know, uh, Kuminga and then, you know, further on down, maybe that's a possibility, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I definitely agree. I mean, in the beginning, it wasn't really looking like Evan Mobley was kind of getting that mainstream respect that he, you know, probably deserves, but the dude's a monster. Oh, he's an absolute There's nothing monster. He can't do. <laughs> there, there's nothing he can't do. I mean, he's absolutely incredible. Both of them are um, like, you know, praising one is no knock against the other, mm. you know, well, it, they're both absolutely incredible, and I hope a team wouldn't trade out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless they trade be. with the Knicks, then that's great. Well, that would that would be nice. Um, I uh, so remind me, you had Suggs uh, third, Suggs third, yeah. Okay. Um, I have only watched uh, not even a handful of Gonzaga games because they're just they blow everybody out. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's beautiful basketball. Don't get me wrong; it's 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 
I don't know. Are they the best college team this century? Maybe. Um, I don't, I don't know who, who would give them a run for their money. Um, is there's nothing to like worry. Do you, are you worried about the shot with him? Because that's the only real knock on his, on his game. I'm not worried about the shot. Um, if there's one thing I would worry about, it's the handle. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That, that, I mean, again, like, I don't want this to be like a victim of overthinking. Like I was someone who was a little bit lower on Tyrese Halliburton because I, I didn't trust that he could, you know, operate on the ball at a high level. And like, here I am 30 games in clearly a moron. Um, and listen, you weren't the only one. <laughs> oh, I'm not. Oh, I am not the only one, but like, if I'm not going to learn from my own mistakes, then what's the point in doing this? And, That's you know, right. Suggs, having Suggs the year after evaluating Halley and kind of putting, and I don't, you know, there are a lot of things I don't regret about like the Halliburton evaluation. The, the pull-up shooting has taken a miraculous jump in somewhere I could have never imagined. Um, and that's been very advantageous for him. But, you know, just players being really good at basketball, like that is concrete set in stone. Tyrese Halliburton was a hell of a college basketball player. And, you know, while Jalen Suggs clearly isn't at that level of impact, he's still putting up really good numbers and, you know, leading a very good Gonzaga team, you know, whether the offense directly runs through him on a possession by possession basis, that's something that's probably can be debated between mm-hmm. Timmy and, you know, AI and all the guards that they have. But I mean, point blank period, Jalen Suggs has been very, very good and was incredible against all the high level competition. You know, it's kind of taken a little bit of a step back. The shooting has regressed a little bit in conference play. Um, the bit, the worry for me is like the handle on the ball security. I mean, I wrote about him in that second side creation piece that's pinned to my Twitter. Um, and he was kind of like the big driving force behind that because it's basically my point of writing that was, look, he might not be your point guard that you can run everything through, but the NBA is played in a way where it doesn't really matter right now. You know, as long as you have someone else who can also create advantages and bend the defense and get paint touches, then it's okay if Jalen Suggs goes off the ball more. And that's where I do trust the shot. Um, I haven't been able to pinpoint the exact issue of what this ball security issue is, but he tends to get stripped like, you know, far too often when going into the lane, the handle is a little bit loose, but I mean, he's so incredibly smart. He's a good athlete. I trust, the shot long term especially off the bounce i mean i just think there's a lot he has a lot good going for him um i agree he's like he's just i feel like we've never i shouldn't say we've never had a guy it feels like it's been a long time since the knicks the knicks had a guy quite like that um you know that just kind of has this exudes like this guy is just really going to make your team better and not in a you know, Frank Nilakina way that nerds like me were like gushing, like, oh, look, it's a dig. He dug there, you know, and, you know, he fought around that screen. But like he's making your team better, but it's also like concrete, big stuff, like making shots and doing little things. So like I I would be beyond my wildest dreams if they got uh, Suggs. But they're probably not going to be in that range to get him. Um, moving closer to where their range might be, we have the two G League guys. Um, I'm happy you said you were down on Green because, like, I've, I, he's another guy. I've watched him a couple times now, and I just there's something, something missing. What what is missing? You tell me. What's missing there? You know, it, it's a tough sell because you know Jalen Green. You know, I've been we've been tracking him. You know, since he's freshman sophomore in high school, he's always been this big time product or prospect playing. And he was a local product, so he's playing at his public high school for the first couple of years. You know, being a freak athlete, getting whatever he wants. Um, and then, uh, to me, my wake up call with Jalen Green kind of came around the UIBL circuit, uh, the Nike circuit, going into his senior year. Okay, you know, he was having a little bit of a tough time. He was the shot wasn't fully developed yet. And he was more of the slashing wing who was a crazy athlete, but his handle is very loose and high. 
Um, and I think that's still the biggest problem to this day. Uh, he ended up like tuning it up a little bit in Peach Jam. And then his senior year of high school was when the shooting kind of came around. And that's big for his development. I think he needs to shoot it at a, at a pretty high level, um, especially off the bounce. You know, the sell with him is this 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six wing guy who absolutely ju- jumps out of the gym. Um, that's pretty, pretty damn obvious. And he does have some solid space creation. Uh, I'm not, I can't quite like the handle is loose it's definitely loose uh if you're pressuring him at the point of attack it's it's going to be tough for him him getting downhill he can't like fully get down like him him compared to keon johnson who we're going to talk about him assuming yeah. at some point i'm excited to talk um, about keon johnson so like they they are the two like holy shit like holy like athletes in the draft well the dunk that keon had <laughs> where he put the dude in into the hoop it was, was that a week ago or so? It was like a week and a half ago. And that was pr- one of the crazier poster dunks I've ever seen. Because, oh, my God. And the thing with Keon is like, Keon, we're going to talk about it with that poster. Like that was off like a one, two. Like there was no running momentum. He was like lightly jogging, caught it off a hop step and like punched a dude through the rim, which is just otherworldly stuff. With Jalen, he'll, he'll catch some alley-oops. He'll have poster dunks in transition, but it's not as functional in the half court because he can't like get as low. Like his handle kind of holds him back uh, as a okay. driver, if that makes sense. Like yeah. him, his handle being high doesn't allow him to get all the way downhill. And then he kind of resorts to these snatchback mid ranges, which are okay because like if you're a high level shot maker, then that, that's what you're going to do. And like he had one game, you know, in his senior year of high school, he played against La Lumiere, which is like a big high school power. And he had like six straight pull-up threes in a row. Bang, bang, bang. Like a little bit of like Zach Levine-esque like this year. And, you know. <laughs> That's scary it, though. Oh, it's scary. And, you know. It's, it's, I mean, it's scary good, but it's also scary bad. And yeah, and that's your, you hit the nail on the head there. And, and, you know, I think he's gotten a lot of Anthony Edwards comparisons, you know, going back last year, that was a big debate. Like, who'd you take Anthony Edwards? You're throwing some names out there. <laughs> Zach Levine, Anthony Edwards. <laughs> and, and, but the thing about Ant is that Ant could get to the rim theoretically whenever he wanted to. And I yeah. think we're seeing that this year. Um, whenever he wants to get downhill, he's going to get downhill and he could punch it on you. Um, with Jalen, I'm more, I'm a little bit more skeptical that he can just get downhill whenever he wants because, you know, in ISO situations, he does get walled off a little bit easier and the passing isn't exactly where I'd want it to be. Um, he's going to be a secondary guy and I, I, there is value to him being a secondary guy who's going to hit big shots Um good pull-up shooter the mechanics have held up um the lower body is a lot more balanced he's landing cleaner it's a lot more straight up straight down than it was before and that means a lot but i mean you said there's something missing and i i don't fully disagree with you okay good i'm happy it's just not me um all right so those are the big five um let's let's target a couple people who i i think are particularly interesting um, given, I mean, look, you're paying more attention to college right now, but it's, it's not, it's not hard to figure out like, okay, so the Knicks now have an all-star, which is nice. Nice mm-hmm. thing to have. Um, he's a four. Um, they have a five um, who I, I like, you know, we'll, we'll see what the long-term future of Mitch is here. Um, and, and they have RJ Barrett, who we don't need to talk about right now. Um, still high on RJ. Still high. Still, I just four people get mad at me. Still high on RJ. Needs a little work. Um, likes to have the ball. The shots still, shots, shots still coming along. So, you know, finding like pieces that we're like, okay, this would be a really good fit along with the Knicks is tough because unless it is your 
you know, proto- it, unless it's a Dame Lillard, you know, clone, which like after Suggs, who knows, maybe like that guy's not right. That like unless um, um, unless Mr. Cooper learns how to shoot, that guy's not really in this draft right after Suggs. Yeah, I mean, you absolutely hit the nail on the head. And even Suggs, I, I do have a little bit of, you know, issues pegging him as the next perfect fit because, you know, he is the closest thing to, yeah, to oh, like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Suggs, I, I, I think, you know, Suggs is probably the best Knicks fit. Um, it just, honestly, I've rephrased that. It depends what you're going for. If you're looking to solve the needs right now, Suggs and Cooper are your guys. If you're looking to just add infrastructure and build for the future. And we recognize that we're still two years away from being two years away, which <laughs> I, th- I think we are. And you're just looking to add good pieces around yeah. these guys. You're still figuring out what you do and don't have. Cause that's where I think the Knicks probably should be. Like we have a lot of young guys that are coming up on second contracts, Kevin Knox, Frank Nilakina, Mitchell yeah. Robinson, you know, there are decisions that need to be made. And uh, I Soon. don't want, Soon. Yeah, Yeah. soon. And those are tough decisions that will weigh on your books. So I am I'm more content with the Knicks playing. Hey, let's wait and see. And let's keep adding pieces. Let's keep stockpiling good basketball players. And we'll kind of go from there. I think we both know that, like, and all the listeners that watch Knicks, eventually you're going to need to get someone in there who's going to balance out the creation reps and balance out who has the ball in their hands. I love Julius Randle. He's been I, I despised him last year. I didn't know if I could go through a whole nother season of this watching him the preseason. <laughs> he isn't the guy I've ever like. He's player. been incredible. This different player. He's a different player, and I, I've struggled to even understand how that happens. You know, as someone who sh- studies player development and all these little th- like Julius Randle throwing wraparound passes, not something I ever envisioned. <laughs> um, but here we are. Chris Paul from long mid range. Yep, didn't see that coming. Nope, and, and you know Randle while he's having incredible season all-star worthy i don't know if it's in our long best interest like long-term best interest to run the offense solely through him i well you just i i that's been that is now my literal biggest question about the knicks not forget this year yeah moving forward because anybody who's like oh i know what julius Randle's going to be if he's this if he's the guy that is the secondary on a on a team no you don't nobody knows that no um not with this version of julius Randle at least like what it's just, I don't know, it's hard for me to visualize because he clearly is thriving with whatever his usage is, 28, 29 usage. Um, so, yeah, no, I agree with you. I just want, I, you, I, you hit the nail on the head, yeah. Yeah, I mean, while I do think long-term Randall likely should be scaled down, it's hard for me to say to to who. I mean, the answer is, to, in my opinion, Emmanuel Quickly. Um, I think that's the prime option. Um, I don't it. think I don't think he's there yet. Come back po- on this pod anytime. I don't think, no, but I don't think Emmanuel quickly is there as a point guard. You know, I think we know that he's not getting to the rim. He's not making advanced floor mapping reads, but what he is doing is compromising the defense with elite pull-up shooting, crazy touch, and just some flair. Like he kind of has it going for him right now. And I know he's going through a little rough patch right now, but like, that's a guy I want to see grow on the ball. I don't think he's the long-term point guard, but he is a guy that I see being a piece. Okay. That's that's someone I want. And, you know, in this draft, I I do think, and you know, the guys we're going to start talking about, they're pieces, you know, they're like, they're pieces that you can add. And I don't think the Knicks, you know, it's tough because it, this, this draft was always the draft that was going to getting billed as the draft that was going to save the Knicks because yeah. we thought it was going to, we were going to be deciding between Cade and Mobley. Um, <laughs> it turns out we are a lot better than we thought. 
So now you kind, of have to, <laughs> you kind of have to readjust your expectations and, you know, look for that piece rather than the savior, if that makes well, sense. I, I love it. Um, let's get into some of them. So I want to I want to save Keon for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to start with Book Night. Book mm-hmm. Night, did I pronounce it correctly? I think I pronounced it. I think it's Book Night. I've heard Book Night. Say, I've, okay. I don't know. Some people said Boo Night. I don't know. Book Night sounds better. I like Book Night better. Yeah, um, I, I think it sounds cooler. So I say that one, but I'm not sure. He um, uh, is so for for those who don't know, he's a uh, six five sophomore guard on UConn. He was out for uh, he was out for about a month. Just mm-hmm. made his return last week. Um, I only watched the return game. I have not. I don't even know. Have they played since then? I, I'm. I don't they have. think they've played since then. Okay. Sure. Um, it feel, I, I'm not. I was like really good early on in the season about like knowing every when all of these guys are playing every night. And uh, yes, though, no, they played a couple of nights ago against Georgetown and he uh, went for 20 and another 10 rebounds. This guy likes to rebound the ball, doesn't he? Um, and he is he's just a straight two. Uh, right. And OK, he's. He seems like he has a knack for putting the ball in in, in the old in the old basket. Uh, yeah. what, what do you make of James James Booknight? So uh, James Booknight, another shameless self plug, also featured in that piece pinned to my Twitter. So you want to go find those guys? Go give them a read. But um, with Booknight, yeah, he is absolutely wired to score, and he's damn good at it. Um, puts the ball in the basket and an efficient clip. Does it in a multitude of ways. Can get us off the bounce. Uh, my favorite play, My favorite part about his game is his off ball. Uh, his off-ball usage, an incredible cutter. You know, the way I phrase it is that he, like, literally runs routes off the ball, uh, the way he That's sets great. up, the way he, like, awesome. se- the way he sets up, you know, backdoor cuts and, and durable handoffs and all that stuff. And then he's, he's a freak athlete. Um, we've seen all the – we've seen the dunks. And his hang time at the rim is an incredible asset. Uh, great body control when he coming off these backdoor cuts, you know, being able to contort his body around help and finish. Uh, he's had he had one of the craziest and ones I've seen all year um, in his like 40 piece. I think it was oh. against Creighton. Yeah, you know, the ball. He got fouled, lost the ball and then retained the ball all while in midair and flipped it up for a reverse. Um, no, he does some absolutely nutty stuff scoring the basketball. Um, I have. It's tough, you know, the Knicks fit with him because my issue with book night and why I've kind of slid him down to that back end lottery instead of the top 10, where I was like initially kind of eyeing him in. Um, I'm a little bit worried about the playmaking. Um, okay. He's very one dimensional while making reads. Uh, I okay. watched, I've admittedly haven't watched uh, their last game, last two games, but I was basically watching every game up until he got hurt um, in preparation for the piece. And, you know, the best passes I've seen him make, in all those games were strictly to the roller. And it was if the roller did not properly get tagged by the help. Again, that's, that doesn't take rocket science. And I mean, like, he has, you could count the amount of assists he has. I guess you barely need a third hand. Most, you can, you know, most of them on two hands. This yeah. Year. <laughs> no. And I mean, yeah. And it's evident that's evident on film. Um, he had one assist where I was like, I was kind of like, I have all this, this clip in my head. And he, you know, it was a give and go, set it up with a great, tra- like a little jab, got into the paint and then made a simple decision. Corner helped off him, kicked with a corner three. Okay. Like that is more of how I think he's going to make reads. However, if you want to extrapolate down the line, the, you know, there's a, pr- some people would say, and I think I'm kind of in this camp, there's a problem if you're not making second, third reads at the college level, you know, for him, if the role man's tag, 
he's aborting the entire play, reversing back and moving on. So while I do think there's a place for James Booknight in the league, and you know, if he lands in the correct situation, I think he'll be very valuable. Someone who can score the ball, play it on and off of it. A great athlete. If you can tune up the off-ball defense and his positioning, like you're looking at someone who's valuable. However, my thing with the Knicks is I'm looking for people who can attack off the bounce and make good decisions and make plays. And, you know, we're lacking that. I would say in our perimeter creation is players who can draw the defense, then make good decisions and maybe manipulative passes out of it. And I think that's where book Knight falls a little short. I'm not completely against him with one of the two picks. Um, he does. He is, however, gaining a little bit too much mainstream hype for me. I think I saw him at like number six in the yeah, big board. I think which, I saw that as well, which is, is a little too hot for me. Well, you just described a player that leads me to ask about um, Mr. Jaden Springer. So we have the two kiddos at Tennessee. I mean, mm-hmm. there's more than that. They're, they're a good team. So it's not like they have only the two players. Um, but Jaden Springer is um, seem to talk about a guy who, who seems like a Tibbs guy, right? Um, he is very, he is a Tibbs. You know, he def- obviously defends his ass off. Um, he seems to put pressure on the rim. Um, from what I could tell, uh, talk to me a little bit about, about Jane Springer and remind me where, where do you have him on your, your board right now? So Springer is around that, you know, he's in that six to nine group right now. Okay. Um, I'm very into Springer for the Knicks. Um, I think it kind of makes sense. I think, you know, you, you take care of both of those, not necessarily gunning for the savior right now, but also adding a good piece. He's extremely young. I think he's the youngest American player in the draft. Yeah. But that hasn't stopped him from being a legit productive SEC player, which is no joke. Um, with Springer, you know, he's a very unconventional style. It kind of is like turns a little turns some people off. Six four combo is very strong. You know, that's like his calling card, the positional strength elite body control and like deceleration getting to the paint. And when you watch him, you'll notice like he consistently plays off of two feet in the paint. You know, you hear all these old school coaches play off two, play off two. Like it's almost like they reincarnated Jaden Springer and was like, here's the, here's the epitome. And you know what that does for him is he kind of not settles, but gets a lot of these like five foot pull-ups, which is like, I don't really know how to how to, what to make of it, but he's really good he, at it. He's isn't, un, isn't he kind of an unconventional player when you just look around? Very right unconventional, now? yes, yeah. very unconventional. Um, a lot of stuff in the short mid range, a herky jerky style. Yeah, the handle has really improved through high school or from high school, which is a big deal for him. Um, you know, and the playmaking has really improved throughout the year. He's getting more comfortable. You know, he's drawing defenders. He's making some manipulative passes. He, a great like fake skip pass into a drop off in one of the games I watched uh, like a couple of weeks ago. And he was just getting more comfortable. Um, the three point shot is what I'm a I, little bit worried about. I was about to ask, someone has to explain to me, he's over his last uh, six. I think before those misses, he was up above 50% from three and he'll go two, three, four games in a row without taking a three pointer. Yeah. I, I don't, this doesn't make any sense to me. So the volume had gone i need to catch up on their games and box scores recently but you know since the kentucky game where it was him and keon both broke out yeah that game he had been taking much like he he really upped his volume um in the beginning of the year it was like one every two games or something like that um and he was making them you know but he was very selective about when he was taking them and as someone who values volume with shooting projection i didn't really know what to make of it you know um he does need time and space. Uh, usually um, it's a little bit of like a load up rise fire. 
Um, mm-hmm. But however, when those were, when the volume was going up, I did see a little bit more versatility. He was less hesitant. He even was taking some off the bounce, which is really awesome to see. You know, he's always been a pull-up shooter. Um, it's just always been from that mid-range short paint area. Hasn't really extended out to three yet. Um, I don't doubt him as a shooter. It's just a really weird shooting profile, like you said. Um, I think he's bound, you know, to regress down to the mean a little bit. I, okay. I think he probably ends up, I think I was looking at his profile last night, actually. I think he's around like 47% now. Okay. I think he probably finishes the year when it's all said and done, including the SEC. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tournament March Madness probably finishes a year around like 39, 40% on low volume. And just kind of when you're looking back in years prior, it just has like a really weird shot profile. Um, but regressing to the mean was pretty evident. However, that's really the only hole. I mean, I think he's the best guard defender in the draft. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Incredible strength and lateral quickness combination. Takes bumps in the chest from bigger defenders. Can slide with quick guards. Great instincts off the ball. He's really good in digs with that strength. Um, just a great team defender. Just a really good basketball player, you know? And, like, someone yeah. who can play between... I don't think he's ever going to be a one, but someone I definitely trust to carry some on-ball load in the league and, you know, hopefully make the most of it. Um, so might as well talk about his teammate. Uh, man, uh, Keon is, he, he, is he, what, like, is there's, he's the guy that there's a chance we look back in this draft and if he goes like, whatever, seven, eight, nine in like five years and be like, why wasn't that guy the whatever third pick? Right. Isn't he, isn't he that dude? I mean, you see me smiling right now. I mean, I don't. I don't all draft all draft Knicks love Keon know, Johnson. I don't usually fall for the tools, guys. You know that's not really my thing. I like the smart basketball players with the with the skill baseline that you can kind of peg them into. You know, getting better and better, building on that. But man, there's just something about Keon that I, I can't really quit, and it's because the athleticism is so functional on the court, and that's ultimately why. I'm so drawn in is, you know, him as a driver, he, he gets all the way downhill. He explodes. And, you know, I've said to, I was talking about this Max and I just recorded a couple hours ago. Okay. And we were talking about, you know, Keon and Springer, when you watch them, when they get walled off, they resort to like posting up and it's, it seems like something, you know, the staff has relayed onto them. Um, I don't know, just speculating, but when Keon doesn't, you know, settle, there are times when, you know, he doesn't settle for that post and he'll get walled off and he'll snatch back into a pull-up mid-range. And I'm just like, that's the guy. Like, you know, that's, <laughs> um, he is just I mean, by far and away the best athlete in the draft, same close. Um, the amount. Wow. You know, really? 
I, I don't think it's close yeah oh wow okay that's awesome um him as a lateral mover is absolutely insane uh the amount of ground he can cover you know his hips just so fluid and he explodes off the ground like this is a six four guard you know catching alley-oops on the break you know he had a, there was a play in the kentucky game he came off an iverson cut which is just like horizontal cut around the perimeter rip one dribble two feet punch and like guards don't do that like yeah. guards don't dunk in traffic in i didn't realize he was six four until you just i'm said pretty it. sure he, he's six four or six he's probably not he's not taller than six five i don't think yeah no but he play, he looks bigger i don't i don't is weird yeah i mean and the thing is like like six like guards don't get dunks in the half court like that's not yeah. really like a college thing with especially with the spacing and he makes it look so effortless um and you know there's just something about him it's gonna need patience it's gonna need player development there's skill stuff that needs to be tightened up for sure but you know if you watch even from his high school games you know from the high school from his aau his senior summer at aau to his his seniors i'm sorry summer going into his aau summer going to senior with aau into his high school season even then there's concrete changes in the mechanics of his jumper. He's much more comfortable handling the ball and it kind of looks like a different dude. So, you know, I mean, Ross Holman, you probably know Ross, Ross has been on this train from the jump and it's just about, you know, continuing this growth curve from a skill development onward. And, and I'm, I'm not sure I like fully buy into it completely. Um, I needed to like see it on film and he's definitely a flash based guy, but you know, I'm a little bit burned on the flash face guys from Pat Williams. So I'm a little bit more open to it this year. And, you know, Keon is just someone willing. What do you mean you're burned by Pat? Were you? Pat were burns you, me. Pat burns me. I, you do not like how Pat's doing right now? Oh, I wasn't high enough. Oh, you weren't? <laughs> okay. I was about to say, I kind of like Pat Williams. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely love Pat right now. He, yeah, he looks okay. incredible. Um, That's I, fair. I was, That's I fair. Just, I wasn't high enough. Um, That's fair. Okay. See, you really, you, you admit when you're wrong. This is this is a very mature thing to do. Um, I, I still can't do that. <laughs> um, all right, let's, uh, I don't want to keep you for too long. So hit on a couple other guys um, who I think are on the minds of Nick fans. Um, I don't want to talk about Jalen Johnson. I just, I, I just don't. I, I don't really want to either. And Good. I think he makes absolutely zero sense for the Knicks. So there you go. Let's, let's move, let's move on. I agree. Um, Scotty Barnes, really interesting player. Again, I'm not, Yeah. I, I'm not sure it makes sense for where we are right now? Or? Yeah, I mean, Scotty's very complicated as an eval in the first place. That's um, a good word for it. <laughs> considering he is playing a role that he will not even sniff in the NBA. You mean like running an offense? <laughs> running an offense, guarding ones, uh, you name it. Uh, he's doing it's everything. Wild and crazy stuff. And it certainly doesn't make my job easier, but... Like, I, don't know, I don't know how you begin to evaluate Scotty Barnes as, as Yeah, a it's prospect. tough. Um, it's um, tough, but I can probably say the Knicks do not need another four-man who yeah we'll leave it at that yeah let's yeah let's let's let's, let's say sometimes it's it's very easy (laughs) um i also don't know that we need to spend a ton of time talking about moses moody who again is the guy who is just he seems like the like the like mccall was two years ago like uh devin vassell was this year just like the guy who people are if you're a nick fan you're like just take this kid he's does all the all the things you need to do is that is that fair with moody um as someone who was screaming, just take Macau and also <laughs> screaming, just take Vassell. Um, I will certainly be screaming, just take Moody. And, and you know, the, the, the rationale behind that as the same, it was for Vassell last year, I was screaming from the rooftops. This is not, I will admit when I'm wrong and I will certainly take my victory lap when I'm right. The Knicks well, should have looks per- I mean, he's not a lot of volume right now. He's not getting the ball in his hands a ton at San Antonio. He looks 
good. The Knicks should have drafted Devin Vassell. And I said it on draft night. I will say it today. That was a big mistake. And I think we're all kind of seeing it play out. So the what you should learn from that is like, does Moses Moody solve all of your problems tomorrow? Absolutely not. Um, we're talking about someone who mostly operates off the ball. You know, he has some on-ball equity, but what you're getting is just like a good wing piece. Like I'm very high on Moody. Um, he's probably towards the top of that six to ten or five to ten group for me. Um, okay. I'm higher on him than most, and I'll take it. Um, he's been my guy since high school um i've re in high school showcased a lot more of like stocks um a lot more steals and blocks i think his role in arkansas is a lot different but what i've loved about his him in arkansas is he's been sliding with guards really well and, and that was um you know a point of emphasis for him in high school um getting matched up on those quicker guards you know he was more susceptible to blow buys and while he could make up for it in some instances with the length coming from coming from like whether it be a chase down block or just a contest you know now he's staying with guards and i think you know that's really good for him because i don't know if he's a full six six he might just be a six oh, like a six five kind of guy um i think he can split between two and three um with no problem uh and moody is just someone like if the knicks can have two picks in the top 15 like he's got to be one of them that yeah that i mean maybe the ceiling isn't there but like sometimes you just yeah just go for the you know, the and, obvious thing. And my thing is like, I think I've personally, I've been saying this, like, you know, people misconstrue high seat, like a lack of high ceiling because someone has a high floor and my kind that's, of that would be. That's fair. Yeah. If, if you're already there, you might as well go. And like Moses Moody, we're just talking like how many guys in the NBA are six, five, six, six are plus NBA are plus NBA defenders on and off the ball can shoot it at a high level with tons of versatility. And can get theirs one or two dribbles off the bounce. Well, the, like, whoever they are, they're getting paid about 15 or $16 million a year. That dude's getting paid and that guy, that's a valuable player on the championship team. So, you know, that is my pitch to Moses Moosey's ceiling. Is it ever going to be flashy? Is it ever going to be all NBA worthy? I don't know. Um, are his highlights ever going to be as high as Jalen Green's highlights? Probably not. But um, is, is your night to night impact? likely going to be great. I, I would say so. I was about to say, if you give me some money to put on, like which one of these guys is going to impact, you know, winning more over the course of their career. It's like, yeah, you might look really stupid if you put some money on Moody, but I think the odds are going to be better if you, if you put that money on Moody. Um, okay. A uh, couple, I really could sit here and talk to you for a very long time, but we're going to do more episodes. I, um, I don't have, I don't have anywhere to go in this. I'm talking draft. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, we're gonna do we're gonna do three more. Um, Cooper, let's just let's mm. talk about Cooper real quick. So Shreve Cooper, point guard Auburn. Um, I had not watched a ton of him this year. I happened to turn on the Kentucky game uh, from whatever it was. It was about a week ago, which was I think his worst game of the year. Yeah, that was his um, worst game of the year. Yeah, I was texting uh, Spencer about that. He's like, I. I won't repeat exactly what Spencer said. It was like, I feel bad for anybody who like had to watch that for their job um, to like break down that tape. Cause it, it, well, he wasn't good, but he's been uh, very good at other times. And uh, he's, well, talk to me. What, what do you, what do you make of, of Sharif Cooper? Um, I'm very in on Sharif Cooper, to be honest. Okay. Um, it, it's not as clean cut as I thought it was, you know, first couple of weeks, I was like, this guy's surefire stud. Um, the shooting is going to come around and all of a sudden he's in a boot. You know, Auburn probably is not going to make the NCAA tournament. But does he shut it down? Does he not play in the NCAA tournament? Now all of a sudden we're left with, uh, what, 
10, 11 game shooting sample size of him shooting 40% from the field and 25% from three. That's tough. Um, not what you want, ideally. Not ideally what you want. But my, my case for Sharif to the Knicks would be this. It's that the Knicks haven't had someone who can collapse defenses off the bounce consistently in a very long time. And Sharif can do that at the highest level. Um, yeah. You any any way you want it, like Sharif will bend the defense, create create yeah. handle. Like I am not saying he's hardened by any means. Don't no one. Oh boy. Well, I don't but, know what's coming, but I'm looking forward to whatever it is. <laughs> the way that Harden effort, effortlessly just blows by the defense. Um, yeah. It's gonna be sometimes it'll be in and out. Sometimes it's across behind the back. Sometimes it's not even a combo. It's just a hezzy. He the effortless effortless ability to just blow by the defense and draw rotations. Sharif does have some like remnants of that. Um, and, and we the, should say he's averaging eight and a half. He averaged eight and a half um, free throws per game. And to the shooting, as I'm sure you were going to point out, mm-hmm. he's he's hitting over 80% of his free throws. So it's like, if you want to see evidence of long-term shooting, like you, it's there for you. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm just, the, the reason I really like Sharif is, you know, the, like, you just don't really take that stuff for granted. The ability to consistently yeah. get into the paint, collapse the defense, and not only when you're there, make wizardry decisions out of it. I mean, he is an incredible passer. He's not Cade's in the draft, so but like maybe he's he's not up there with Cade because Cade's size, you know, gives him a crazy advantage. Um, and if you you know apply the pre-college stuff, I think Cade probably has advantage. But if you're going strictly college sample, I mean, he's probably been the best passer in the class, hmm. and you know, incredible touch on these lobs, great vision you know, toys with the defense on a regular basis, you know, it's not as the tough part about Sharif is that, you know, you're giving up stuff on the defensive end. Like it's a given and it's going to be hefty and it's probably going to be hefty. So the offense needs to be that good. But he, He's not a small man. It's not the size of like Trey young. He, he, I mean, he's, he's just that I bad he, defensive. I, I think he's Trey young size. Do you really? Yeah. I think, Oh Sharif, wow. Okay. I think he's probably six feet tall. Oh shit. Yeah. Um, I think he's probably six feet tall. So, I mean, there it's rough. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Um, And he is a great finisher, but he's more of an anecdotal finisher as what I called it on the pod with Max and Ben a couple weeks ago, you know, like you're going to be watching and he's going to have these reverses and these up and under is going to be like, Oh my God, this guy is nuts around the rim. (laughs) And then you're going to look at the the rim numbers and he's going to be around the league average because he, at the end of the day, he's a six foot guard and things are tough for six feet guards, six foot tall guards in the NBA. So, you know, given the size and the defense, um, I I get it. It's not the easiest evaluation. It's not the most cook. It's not, it's not clean cut, but I do think, you know, PD tweeted above at above the break three. He was like Sharif to the Spurs, my new favorite fit. And like, why does everybody do that? Everybody wants to send. They're like, this guy has a elite tool. He needs some work on a couple of things. Let's send him to the Spurs so he can be I, fucking awesome. I know, but the Sharif. No, fit, enough. The Sharif fits to the Spurs is you get the small guard. You insulate him with these great wing defenders. Yeah. And you put him with the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, it makes it makes sense. But with the Knicks. It's tough. Um, I don't know. He, I, I would be very happy if the Knicks drafted him, but you know, I'm not as confident that it would go as swimmingly as I would have thought a couple weeks ago. If that makes sense. Well, I don't know. It, it, I there are times where I truly do believe that the number one thing on the Tibbs point guard hit list in terms of skills is uh, put pressure on the basket and. 
He's like, just give me a guy who gets to the rim and puts pressure as evinced by the current starting point guard of the New York Knicks. Um, it's all he does. Literally the only thing he does. She puts pressure on the rim. Doesn't matter that he does make most of the shots when he gets there. Three for nine. It's fine. Puts pressure on the rim. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I think, we'll you know, and I think, I mean, the Cooper quickly backcourt is really interesting to me. That's interesting. Because I think it definitely requires, you know, a lot. It requires three other stud defenders when you're giving up that much physicality in the backcourt between those two. And just from a height and weight standpoint, yeah. um, quickly fights. Um, but at the end of the day, he's a smaller two. Um, yeah. But, you know quickly kind of being the shot creator and operating in the in-between area and kind of like being that second side creator to, you know, Sharif's rim pressure, what you lose with Cooper's shooting, you gain in Quickly's shooting, what you lose with Quickly's rim pressure, you gain with Cooper's rim pressure, you know, it's, it's interesting. I'm not saying I'm in on it, but no, is it the right word? It's interesting. Um, Okay. Uh, One more. Um, Got to talk about him. Corey Kispert. Oh, we're going to have to add one more because. He, okay. He, two more. Fine. Uh, so two more. I, I was, I was going to, yeah, I, um, I, I was going to give one for you. Um, so this is the one, one for me. I'm fascinated by Kispert because um, I, I mean, it's so simple to say, but um, you watch this team and you're like, man, if they had a guy that would just knock down everything from behind the arc, doesn't matter what what it is. He's going to knock it down. That'd be nice to have. I will figure out the rest of the shit later. And Corey Kispert seems to be that guy in this draft. So like, talk me out of that notion. I mean, there is no talking out of it. I mean, I think he's I've talking with some people and just bouncing off ideas. Like he's near that upper echelon of like elite shooters to come through the draft. Like, he feels like it, doesn't he? I mean, we're talking about like the Cam Johnsons, you know, the Baines, like those guys where you're just like, Oh, this guy is going to shoot it at an elite level. Um, and my favorite part about Kispert is the shot prep. It's about as fundamental and smooth as anyone. And, you know, he favors that two foot hop, uh, there's been a couple instances where he gets into the one, two, which are, have been awesome to see, but you know, Kisper uh, as a trail man that coming off pin downs, even off the bounce, like he's so fun to watch as a shooter because you know, he can get into it from anywhere. Range is not an issue. Any type of momentum, he's getting it off. Uh, he's just an elite shooter. There's really no other way to put it. Um, and my favorite part about him is he's added to his game. You know, yeah. the shooting's kind of been there. I think he's taken it to another level this he year. He was going to be a second round. Pick. He was projected as a second round ish pick last year. I right? would have absolutely taken him in the second round last year, early second yeah. round, and wouldn't have looked back. Um, and the fact that he's built on not only he's added to the shooting profile and made it even more enticing, he has added some juice off the bounce. Now it does not look pretty. It does not look quick. Um, it is extremely methodical, but it gets the job done. And when you're that good of a shooter, all you need is, you know, that one, two dribble pull up or that one dribble extension finish at the rim. Uh, it, it's very simple. You know, if you look at the, you look at the looks that Duncan Robinson gets inside the arc. They're rather elementary because the but defense, all they want to do is run them off the line. Those are next level questions. Those are like, you know, when I feel like I hear those questions, when I'm listening to like Zach Lowe do a finals preview podcast. So like, what is player X going to do? when they run him off the line. It's like those are first world problems to have. Yes. Let's get to there first. Um, and yeah, and uh, that is true. I just can't stop myself from going down the rabbit hole. But um, with Kispert, yeah, you're getting elite shooting. Um, that is 
a bankable skill and the defense has improved. He's pretty good off the ball, has some instincts. Uh, lateral quickness is better. It's not great. Um, it's definitely better. I definitely prefer to have him, you know, guarding bigger wings, uh, fours, but you know, he's someone that you can, it's rather interchangeable with him between the three and the four, in my opinion. Um, yeah. I, again, I'm a little worried that like the stock is going too high for the him, especially after Gonzaga is probably going to give him uh, the March bump. But, you well, know, we're talking about a lot of guys here. Like yeah. we've just like just. Re- oh, no, there are guys there. We're going to get we're going to get to your guy who I have a feeling I know who it is. But like there's the top five. I know it's the top four. And then, you know, everybody else. for you. But like there's a perceived top five. We've mentioned Barnes. We've mentioned Jalen Johnson. Like those guys are going to go high. Mm-hmm. Book Knight, Moody. We haven't even talked about Zaire Williams. We'll save him for the next podcast. The Tennessee guys, um, Cooper. It's like and Kispert. Like there's a lot. Of, like it wouldn't be that nuts if he fell out of the top ten. I don't. No, think. yeah. And I think any time after top ten, I'm I'm cool with that. Honestly. Okay. Um. It obviously depends on the board. You know, if everyone I like is off the board at nine or 10, fine. Um, You know, this is all contextual and we won't know till draft. Night. Yeah, for sure. This draft, if, if there's one thing, it has guys like I am. Very, <laughs> it has, it has guys. I am very in on Kispert and like I can't see myself from a big board standpoint, you know, getting higher than 12. Um, and I'm very I, I think he's a great prospect. Um, so you, you know, really like tough. some guys in this draft? Mean, I think this class is good. Um, you know, I, I think the the pushback that it's getting is that you don't have like everyone was like, oh, you're gonna have all these stud wing creators. When like in reality, what draft has six wing creators coming? Like no, no one. Like there were everyone yeah. was bound to like you were never gonna get a class where you had Cade, you had Mobley, you had Kaminga Green as as you know wing creator options. You had. I'm trying to think like Jalen Johnson as the, yeah. the next point. And like Zaire right? is kind of underwhelmed. Like he's just Zaire like, is underwhelmed, but like he's someone that I wouldn't mind, you know, in like the back half of the lottery. I'm uh, I'll die on. I'll le- tell you the hill I'm going to die on right now. I don't think that guy makes it outside of the top seven. I think some team talks themselves into the, the package. I agree with you. And I, I don't think they're crazy for it. You know, they're not a lot of guys who are six, eight. I was about to say, look at the fucking guy. Like he looks like he's just should be. I mean, he's good. Six, six, eight shoots the ball at a high level, despite what the percentages say. I mean, he's a shot maker. Um, yeah. Always has been a shot maker and high field, great lateral quickness. You know, there's a lot there. There's a lot yeah. there. To like. um, yeah. That vacuum pitch, that's an elevator pitch for Zaire. And that's probably gets you into the lottery. So, and then we just scratched the surface. So yeah, Zaire, um, there's a lot of guys. So, you know, while I do think, you know, this draft, I said it, like, I think there are two special prospects at the top. And then I think it flatlines a little bit from this like three to 12 range, but like, it's going to be like, whoever hits their picks in that range is going to get massively rewarded in my opinion. All right. I, is it going to be Wagner? That's yes. Says, okay. yes that's, that's my guy. Um, I've been watching a ton of Michigan film lately. I'm actually writing a piece on him right now that I'm hoping to get out uh, early next week. Okay. Um, he, he fascinates me. He, Why? Why does he fascinate you? He's because he's really damn good at basketball and no one wants <laughs> to talk a good, about it. That's a good um, start. <laughs> And no one wants to, you know, some people were finally coming around. Uh, so what, here, let's start with, uh, why hadn't I heard his name in the conversation for like the top 20 or top 25 until recently? Um, you know, people are, slow to say, people are stupid. <laughs> people are slow to catch on, you know? Okay. Um, he was a free, he was a fringe lottery guy for me coming to the year. 
Um, started off slow, and I think that's what kind of hurt him in terms of mainstream buzz. You know, everyone likes to jump on the guys who are killing it right now and then anoint them. I think like, Cam Thomas was like 12th in the initial ESPN 100, like whatever. Um, Franz, after the first couple of games, just like slowly but surely picked it up and has only gotten better as the season went on. Um, he's a little bit murkier for the Knicks because I do like him as like a three, four guy. And I think he brings a lot of value as a four, which, you know, we're going to turn into the Detroit Pistons at this point, but um, he's just a really, really, really good basketball player. He's six, nine moves extremely fluidly. Like he, he can switch. He is, he will guard guards. He will guard one through four in in college with no problems. Um, He'll get burned on like straight line, like from a standstill. If someone has great standstill burst and he doesn't have time to like react and then jump it, that's where he gets burned. But like turning directions and sliding his feet, opening up his hips, no issues there. I'm an incredibly smart basketball player. A great, great weak side rim protector is always on point with team defense rotations. And then offensively, like I think there's some untapped stuff there. Like he's a legit pick and roll handler at six, nine. Oh, okay. Um, the best game, I think it's the best offensive game he's had all year from a playmaking standpoint was the one I actually just watched right before I came on this podcast. Um, the Rutgers game from recently, he's throwing wraparound passes as the roller. He's great patience as a handler, you know, six, nine. I don't know if you remember like the Xavier, you remember the Xavier Simpson hook shot when he was in college? I don't know how much college you watch. Oh my God. No, I, you're lucky. I remember the name Xavier Simpson. <laughs> um, no, I do. I do remember who that is. That's, so that's Xavier Simpson as- was the Michigan point guard and he had this patent hook shot that he would always go too deep and pick and roll. And Franz kind of has that same shot, except Franz is six, nine. So a lot more functional and projectable at the next level. Um, what okay. I love about him, like he, he's a good slash. You can put pressure on the rim. Um, he's added weight, which is he's not getting tossed around when he does slash and when he does bang up against bigger guys. He's just a very well-rounded prospect. And the numbers, the box score numbers won't jump out to you because Michigan is incredibly well-rounded as a team this year. And, you know, everyone kind of gets their own. But that dude is a surefire lottery pick at the least for me. Wow. That's a that's a pretty good pitch. He's he's good. He's good. <laughs> and everyone, uh, I think he is going to get uh, for the people that are a little bit, you know, either skeptical or haven't really bought all the way in yet. You know, when Mar- when March comes around and he's balling, uh, I think I think he'll pick up some steam there. You know, this is going to get really, really interesting because, I mean, look, we, we have a ways to go. Who the hell knows with Dallas? Uh, Porzingis is out another game tonight, although at this point, I don't know. Is that <laughs> is that hurting Dallas? Does that make Dallas I worse? Don't know. I don't, the Porzingis trade is a wild roller coaster for me. Um, I was heartbroken the day it happened. I, I thought nothing could age worse than it. Um, now, slowly, um, I'm, I'm not going to say it aged good for the Knicks, but I think it's looking like more of a wash than I would have expected. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a, a good way to put it. Um, but yeah, no, it, I, I, um, I don't want to get in trouble. We don't have to talk about it now, but like I, I started the year out saying like I would sign for the 21st pick in the draft. If that's like, give me that right now for the Dallas pick. And um, obviously that sounds a little silly now, although if you ask me to predict where that pick is going to wind up right now, I'd still probably say 18. I agree with you. Yeah. Would, I mean, I was, I was talking about that with my dad, um, my dad, he brought this fandom on me. So we got <laughs> some Nick stuff. And yeah, I think, I think the two picks are probably, if I got into my head to guess, I think our pick probably settles around 
the nine to eleven range, uh, give or take a few spots. I'm a little bit more optimistic. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say tw- I was going to say twelve, thirteen. Fair, was, yeah, fair. I'm, yeah, I, but somewhere in that, yeah, sure, in, that in, range. You know, in the early tens, I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, yeah. uh, and then I think the Mavericks pick probably settles in the late teens. So I think that's what we're working with, which uh, is not what I expected. <laughs> no, it, it's not. But at the same time, that, but that's why I, I love doing these because it gives a sense of like just this. There's there's guys. There's that's it. That's that's the line of this of this podcast. There's, and, there's some guys no, in this draft. And to be honest, you know, like last year, I wasn't too mad about the Knicks getting the eighth pick in the draft. Um, I, I thought that was going to lead to a sell. I, I thought someone like Toppin was going to go. I I, let's, I had less faith in the league than. I probably should have. Um, okay. I, did, I did not expect guys like Okongwu, Okoro, Killian Hayes to go off the board, Pat Williams, as early as they did. Um, yeah. I was expecting, you know, Avdia, Toppin, you know, I'm trying to think, Halley. Um, I, I was expecting that to be the first crop, crop of guys. So I was cool being in the eights and nine range because I, I thought we would, those dudes kind of fall into our lap, but you never know now. Um, I, I think... You got to deal. You got to take what's. You got to play the cards you're dealt and go from there. <laughs> it's the only way to do it with this stuff. That's a good way to phrase it, um, Jake. I know we said it at the beginning of the show, but can you just let everybody at home know uh, where they can find you and your uh, your excellent stuff? Um, you can find me on Twitter. That's that's the easiest way to put it. At Jake in the Paint. Um, my blog, JakeInThePaint.com, is linked in there, so you can find all that stuff. Um, also, Prep to Pro. Follow that. Uh, I think we're we're at Prep to Pro Pod. <gasps> On Twitter. That is what you are at, and it is a damn good podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's much appreciated. We've been doing a lot of philosophy talk lately. So if you're into, you know, more nuanced draft talk, and then we intertwine it with some 2021 guys with some past prospects, you know, where we messed up and could have, uh, we're learning from our misses, all, all that good stuff. Um, should have an episode. I don't know when this is going to come out, but we're this will be out on Friday. So oh, yeah, so this, this will be, right away. So this is be out tomorrow. So we'll also have an episode out on Friday. So after you listen to this, head over to prep to pro and go give that a listen. Uh, Max and I talked about defensive, talked about ground coverage and, and, and defense. I was about to say, if you listen to that pod, you, you will get so far into the weeds. You may not find your way back out. You may yeah, just be today, stuck in the weeds today. But- the, there were weeds today. Um, <laughs> we wouldn't want it any other way. So uh, yeah, definitely head out to there. Um, and like I said, I'll be writing about Franz Wagner. Hopefully um, if my professors, you know, hold off on my workload a little bit, I'll have that up early next week. So that should be fun. Well, um, I, I don't think the draft process will be quite as long as last year, but um, we do have some some time left to go. So this will not be as long as you're cool with it. This will not be the last time you're on this podcast. No, um, because I think probably we'll we'll uh, tentatively calendar you for after the um, uh, after the lottery happens, and we know we know when the Knicks are going to pick, or if not sooner. Um, this was a lot of fun. I had a really good time. Everybody, go go check out Jake. He's his stuff is awesome, Thank and you, you're gonna you're going to be a lot smarter for, for reading it and for listening to him and, and um, you know, the other guys you're on that pod. It's a, it's a great pod. Um, and everybody else, uh, thank you for listening to another episode of the next film school podcast. We'll be back with you. Another one on Monday where me and Jeremy will be talking about, uh, I, I don't know um, the golden <laughs> globes, maybe stuff. Who knows? We'll, we'll figure it out when we get there. Talk to you later. 